Dr. Henry Roth's best relationships were with his patients, and he wasn't looking to settle down. But one day, the unthinkable happened. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a dick. Are you staring at me or her? Because you're starting to freak me out. Oh, Henry Roth, nice to meet you. Lucy was in a terrible car accident. She lost her short-term memory. She won't remember him tomorrow. You and I are actually seeing each other. Don't worry, you're not gonna suffer any short-term memory loss, but was your head shaped like an egg before she hit you? Now, the guy who's afraid of commitment. I just wanna try something that'll help her remember me. It's a videotape. During this reenactment, you will be played by Ula. Aloha! Sorry about your brain. <laughs> is going to extremes. Okay, pal, when she stops, just let her pet you. Look cute. Okay, here she comes. Smile. Why is she not slowing down? Uh-oh. Oh, no! To get the girl. Do you have any idea who I am? I've never even met you. <laughs> Come on! Adam Sandler. It's gonna be all right, Lucy. Don't call me Lucy. I barely know you. Sweetie, you're sort of dating him. Sorry, I'm not better looking. Drew Barrymore. Okay, this is her. Pretend you're attacking me so she pulls over. What do you think you're doing? Come over here. Take my pineapple. Help me, please. I'm getting your big ass. Oh! Oh! Wow. Go! Oh! Oh! Enough, enough. Are you okay? Yes, okay, yes. I'll be right back. Hey, come no, here. No, 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 no. 50 first dates. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and we have a returning guest. Steph the Wagoner. Steph the Wagoner is here with us. <laughs> and uh, this is... I caught her off guard on that one. Yes. <laughs> Steph the Wagoner. Yes. The movie we're looking at this time, or I should say the project we're looking at this time, is the movie Fifty First Dates. And this is a and Dan Aykroyd podcast. Which means he comes at the end of the credits, and he did maybe a day of shooting. Yeah, and it was he's just got like, two two good solid scenes. He's got there. two good solid scenes, but it's and Dan Aykroyd. Yes, following and this is of course an Adam Sandler Drew Barrymore film. Yeah, this is actually uh, Happy Madison Drew uh, Adam Sandler's production company and Flower Films Drew Barrymore's company, and there's a third production company in there, but they all like equal billing as producers. And I watched this the other day. It's the first time I saw it since I saw it in the theater. Oh. I I was on a podcast not too long ago, and we got on the subject of Adam Sandler, and I said 50 First Dates was his last good film. But after watching it, I don't think I can agree with that statement anymore. (laughs) Now, I had watched it recently when you asked me about doing this. I had just watched it. It just so happened. And I'm a sucker for a romantic comedy. And I do like Adam Sandler and Drew Marymore together. This is is the second of their three uh, romantic comedies. I will say, yeah, the chemistry between uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore is good. They play off of each other very, very well. 
You've seen The Wedding Singer, I've right? seen The Wedding Singer, but I haven't seen the third one, whatever. Uh, it's not mingled. I can't... They, but basically, they're commingling kind of two yeah. families. Two uh, families commingling. It's another, it's another movie where it's like a beautiful location. Well, well, here's the deal. Here's the thing with Adam Sandler. He films his vacations. <laughs> All of his movies take place in Hawaii or some <laughs> tropical paradise. So I read that the script for this originally was set in Seattle. Which makes sense, because there's all sorts of things in the script that that follow through, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. but as far as boats and fishing and being near water, and Seattle would absolutely work, but it's not nearly as, as beautiful as being in Hawaii. So why not have somebody pay you right. to go to Hawaii for... Six weeks, however long it takes you to film this movie. That was that was definitely one of my thoughts when I was watching it again in preparation for this podcast and looking at it with a more critical eye this time, uh, was that, boy, wasn't he smart to say, hmm, maybe we should set this in Hawaii. Like Jack and Jill, maybe we should set this on a cruise ship. <laughs> That's sort punch, of the... Punch drunk love, he goes to Hawaii. Uh, well, Punch Drunk Love, I've, I've said this before on other podcasts, Adam Sandler's movies have become so bad that he has created a new category of movie, which is called, it's not a Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> when somebody says, have you seen Uncut Gems? Oh, don't worry, it's not an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, that, He's just starring that's it. That's a really good movie. Though. That, Uncut really Gems is a movie. really good movie, yeah. but it's not an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. This is an Adam Sandler movie. This has some nods to some Happy Madison films in it, yes. and uh, a couple other little interesting connections that we'll we, we'll talk about when we get to it. I like Adam Sandler, uh, and have always liked Adam Sandler. Definitely like the whole Happy Madison uh, family, you know, uh, and, and all the regular, all the all the usual suspects show up in this movie. Yes, um, Adam Sandler has his own crew, much like. Uh, like like Ed Wood or, yeah, or, or John Rogan, Waters or Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. Yeah. Yeah. He has the people that he works with over and over again and you yep. see them in this movie. Yep, yep. And it's and it's always it's kind of fun. It's kind of familiar. It's like where are they gonna show up? So in and those folks, you know, his pals, they make they make an appearance in this too. So And that's it too. Adam Adam Sandler is supporting his pals. It's Is this the only Adam Sandler Dan Aykroyd? No, they did Another, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, okay. So I've never seen that, and there is a little, there's a little cameo of that in right in the beginning of this movie with mm-hmm. Kevin James. I know that's the Kevin James, yes. one, right? Okay, I actually haven't seen that one, but okay. It is one of the worst things ever. I've heard it's even worse than Jack and Jill, in my opinion. Oh no! <laughs> because not only is it not funny, it's extremely homophobic, and it's it's trying to come off as. You know, defending and promoting the homosexual lifestyle, but a lot of the scenes that's come up where they're just making fun of it. I actually and went to the movies and saw Jack and Jill just to let <laughs> you know that. So, but I go to the movies and see just about anything. So, yeah. Now, to me, this movie is a combination of Groundhog's Day and Clean Slate. That was the <laughs> one with Dana Carvey where he loses his memory every day. Right. And Groundhog's Day because. They have to do things over the same thing over and over. Each so day. yeah. So in a nutshell, the they well. Okay, let's start at the very very beginning because okay. there's actually kind of something interesting in this movie, and we would definitely will. Dan Aykroyd definitely plays an important part in this. But um, 
what I what I wanted to say is right at the beginning, I like a movie that gets kind of like right to it. And so right away, they set up Adam Sandler's character as being sort of a womanizer. So tell me, how was Hawaii? <sighs> it was unbelievable. Oh, yeah? Well, what happened? I met this guy. It was the best week of my life. It was just a little vacation romance. But he was so sweet. He took me to all these cool local places. We went scuba diving, snorkeling, mountain climbing. Well, we got a little drunk. He gave me a background. Slow danced in the rain. But it wasn't just about the sex. It ended kind of weird, though. When I asked for his phone number, he told me he's married. Gay. Entering the priesthood. He doesn't believe in phones. He just kind of ran away. You know, it's just a little fling, but I will never forget my week. With Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Harry. Harry Paratesticles. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Why didn't you tell me you were a secret agent? I prefer intelligence operative, and I couldn't tell you until I thought I knew you. Which is the same in, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. They, it's, this, it's almost the same in a lot of his movies. He comes, that's the character that he plays. It's a little bit like Something About Mary, because in the movie Something About Mary with Cameron Diaz, they, they have all these heartbroken guys that never could get with her. It did remind me a little of that. But right in the beginning of this movie, they, you don't know anything about this character other than the fact that he has had these short, one-week, three-day romances with these women who are tourists. He scopes um, out tourists. Yeah. And he seduces... And these women have it's the best week of their life or the best three days of their life or whatever. And then he comes up with these outrageous excuses as to why he can't see them anymore and dumps them. I mean... All sorts of crazy things, everything, you know, from uh, being a spy to literally running out of the room away from them because he can't think of anything better. But there's sort of this montage in the beginning that sets him up as this womanizer, not such a nice guy. There is a little, there's a little haha Kevin James moment in there. Um, so for anybody who had seen, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, there's sort of a funny little connection there where he, he makes an apparent little cameo. And that's the beginning of the movie. But then, wisely, the next time you see him, you realize he's a, a veterinarian for a, a, a SeaWorld type of uh, ocean water park, and he loves animals. So then you realize, oh, he's not this bad guy that's this womanizer. He loves animals. He loves walruses. But he animals. is this bad guy. Well, he is, but they wisely... They the wisely... See, they yeah. don't make him a degenerate bartender or something like that. Right. He's... How can you not love they the guy? They softened his character right, by this. Right. How can you not love the guy who's the vet for the walruses and the penguins and the dolphins at the ocean, you know, in the ocean environment park? You know, I can't think of the right. Well, like I said, I've he's plays his he's plays his character in several movies, and from what I gather, he's happily married in real life. Yes. Is this just a thing with him? It's like, well, if I was single. <laughs> I don't know. You know, in the beginning, you know, keep in mind his, his, the beginning, his sort of persona was this immature man-child kind of 
character. So I guess that harkens back to sort of just the original Adam Sandler persona we kind of grew to to know and love originally, which is sort of this immature, not, you know, it, same thing in Big Daddy. He's he's this fun-loving guy that's just not ready to take life seriously. He has matured from Billy Madison and Waterboy, where those were just, he was just basically a man-child. Right. Here, he's, he's more immature. He's an right. adult. He has responsibilities, but he's more immature. He's he's got he's obviously successful in his career. He's got this uh, kind of a subplot is that he's got this big boat, and his plan is to take off. He's been working on this remodeling this boat, and he's going to take off and sail from Hawaii to Alaska and take a year. So you know, yeah, he's not he's not Bobby Boucher, uh, mm-hmm. this battling idiot. Um, yeah. And in, and in fact, they we get to see the boat, and that we get to where he meets Drew Barrymore pretty quickly in the movie. Well, the movie gets going pretty quick. Now, I just want to say that this this would never happen in real life. I don't think they would let somebody with the condition that Drew Barrymore was in <laughs> just be out and about in public. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I didn't really look to see if there were any kind of like real. Cases. It's a made up. It is a made up condition. It's based on something. It's based on, uh, but it is a it is a made up condition. Condition. And I just can't believe they would let somebody like that. I guess the idea is that it's such a controlled environment that all of her friends, the the kind of this insular area that she lives on this island in Hawaii. That you know the restaurant she goes to, everybody kind of knows. So everybody, so they feel like it's safe. It's not like she's just out there. She does the same thing every day, um, you know, unless something unless something sets her off. But um, you know, I I I had read that this movie originally the script was originally called um, Fifty First Kisses, which I didn't know until today, and. Later on in the movie, they mention that at least three or four times about first kisses. And I never noticed it before until I realized that was the working title of the movie. But they changed it because they didn't want it confused with her film Never Been Kissed. Oh, okay. I see. So they didn't want Fifty First Kisses confused with Never Been Kissed, which is, I think, a really cute movie. I like Never Been Kissed. I've never seen that. It's really cute. Adam Sandler does he his boat... His boat breaks breaks down. down, and he he's in this place. I think he at first he's afraid to approach her because she's not a tourist. Right, right. He goes into he's waiting for the coast guard to come help him with his boat, so he stops it in this little island restaurant, uh-huh. little, little diner right. cafe on on one of the islands. And he sees Drew Barrymore there, and she's building a waffle house. Not a waffle house, like a waffle, like a house out of waffles. Yes, and this is this charming little local restaurant. By the way, this is a good time to mention too. There's a lot of fun little, uh, like local. I don't know if it's local talent, but there's a lot of Hawaiians in this movie. Though, though Rob Schneider plays. Uh, I think this is Rob Schneider's least offensive portrayal <laughs> of a non-white person that he has done. In all of Adam Sandler's movies. Right, because I was thinking, like, should this have been a Hawaii? But I'm like, no, it's kind of perfect that it's Rob Schneider because it's such a goofy character. Um, but there's um, uh, uh, Amy Hill. Amy, uh, she's the owner of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and uh, yeah, so there's there's all these fun kind of little quirky, you know, there's this kind of weird oddball sense of humor, I feel like, in Hawaii. So there's all these sundry little minor characters that have a line or two here or there that are in the restaurant or out out that they, you know, meet places. So yeah, he's kind of figuring out whether he should approach this quirky girl that's building a house out of her waffles mm-hmm. at the restaurant. And he does. And she invites him to sit with him. Because she's adorable. Because she's Drew Barrymore. And she's adorkable. And... and... Okay, so, okay. So now she's in this controlled environment. And her father... Her father is, works at the diner as well. No, no he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. no he's, a, he's a fisherman. But her, no. mother's, her mother's best friend is the the, the proprietor yeah. of the... We don't know that at that point, but Amy Hill, who who plays Sue, she's kind of keeping an eye on things, mm-hmm. as well as, I'm assuming it's her brother or something that's the... Yeah, there's this the big Hawaiian chef. guy with a tattoo on his face. Yeah, he looks like a big, you know, Samoan dude, kind of happy-go-lucky guy. and They're both kind of keeping an eye on her. Well, like you said, it's like she's in a controlled environment. Now this is invading that... Incro- what, what are they supposed to do now? Right. Without alarming her. Without alarming her. So, yeah, naturally they hit it off. And, yes, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, they just have natural chemistry. I know he's done, this is three movies with her, and I know he's done a couple movies with Jennifer Jennifer Aniston, Aniston. but I actually think their chemistry is really good. But Drew Barrymore has really good chemistry with, I mean, she had good chemistry with Jimmy Fallon, and that's not even a good... (laughs) In Fever Pitch? And that's not even a great movie. No. You know what I mean? (laughs) So she just she just is that uh, you know Zoe Deschanel, Drew Barrymore, that quirky girl. She's she in this movie she is like the quintessential like early two thousands just quirky girl. I, I feel like in this she's she's almost perfect in this movie as as what I would think a guy would be looking for of like his dream girl. You know, she's funny and she's pretty and. Uh, kind Goofy, of easy yeah. breezy, you know, yeah. So they have this first date, first day, and then Adam Sandler leaves, and then he comes back the next day. Well, they're both like super happy. They're super happy. She's... They're happy. Yeah, they've they've hit it off. Uh, there's a cute little moment where they kind of both are like, woohoo! You know, they met up. He's like transformed. And by... I and this is another thing in these movies, which he, he's been a womanizer all his life, and then this. It's like all of a sudden, I'm a one-woman man, and this is the woman. Because doesn't he go play golf after that? I think he goes to play golf. So I think he's so. still thinking about her yeah. at that point. Um, so he really realizes, like, wow, she really had an impact on me. Um, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm just saying this guy, for all this time, <laughs> has been sleeping with all these women... And then all of a sudden, well, this woman has changed me. <laughs> okay, this is why women are messed up. And this is this is why women hold out hope against hope that this will happen. They, they, it's I because of movies it. like this. Yes, it's yes. because movies like this. Yes, exactly. Yes. All it takes is one good woman to change his. Exactly. However, what are you, thirty? However, you know. The characteristics he's had in his entire life. All it takes is one meeting with one good woman, and all of those go away. Exactly. Haven't you? Don't you know that's what's wrong with women, Scott? Yes. That's our expectation. <laughs> that's our expectation. We can just love him enough. It'll you know? fix everything. It'll fix everything. It'll fix our. He just. Uh, he just needs the love. He of hasn't met anybody like right. me yet. Right. 
I will say, though, later on, there's a little scene with Missy Pyle, who's very funny. Missy Pyle's a very funny character actress. I, I, I like her. And um, I do think it's nice that they go back, they kind of touch back on this fact that he's a womanizer because he's on a date with her, but he realizes they're, they're at Rainforest Cafe, which I find really funny. <laughs> but um, she's wasted, like easy pickings. He can have Missy Pyle. Mm. But now that he's met Drew Barrymore's character, Lucy, he realizes, oh, he feels kind of scuzzy about it. Like, I don't want to have a one-night stand with this drunk woman. And he even calls her out and says, like, listen, you're not drunk. This isn't going to happen. You know? (laughs) And he sort of just realizes, like, he doesn't want to do that anymore. Um, So I do think... Well, once again, it's like, it's to make you like the character as a veterinarian and now he's like he's shunned his old ways well and also just the fact that meeting this amazing girl Mm -hmm. you know that it's going to be worth all the stuff that ensues after this because he still doesn't know he doesn't know at this point anything is wrong now he he does know he does find out the next the next time they meet he goes back to the Right, he, the he he wants to see her again. Wants so naturally, again. he thinks, okay, she's probably at this restaurant where she eats breakfast every morning, mm-hmm. and goes there and is all excited and sees her walk in, and just like anybody, just like anybody that you met within the last day or two, you know, he sees her. He starts referencing things they said just the other day, and yeah. she's like, "What blank? I have no idea." Who Calls you are. him a pervert, right? Right. They, they don't have as good of a, an instant connection. As no, no, there's actually no connection at this point. She is, she's actually scared of him. Now, the thing is, like, the big guy with the tattoo on his face, the Nick, Samoan Nick, guy. Nick, yeah, the, the And now, he, 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 he sort of manhandles Adam Sandler. And it, it's like, he know the, the Samoan knows what's going on, but he knows it's Sandler. So I think that's kind of shitty. It's like, why, you know, I mean, you know, let him know when he, you know, find a way to get him alone, which the proprietor does. She does. She goes, you, come with me. Right. But they treat him like he's a pervert, you know, like he's a stalker, like he's a bad guy, just trying to talk to her again. And he doesn't know about the the, the memory loss. So come to find out, Sue tells him, fills him in, and tells him what happened, that she had this, she was out with her father, and they show this kind of in flashback to us. She's out with her father, and uh, it's her father's birthday, which I think Drew, Drew references that the first time they meet. She's going to go pick a pineapple with her father. It's going to pick her pineapples, because the, the accident happened on her father's birthday. Right, and so she basically relives that day. She has all of her... So Sue explains to Adam Sandler's character that she has uh, she had this horrible accident. Her father hit a cow, and uh, uh, and they've been doing this for a year. This right. happened a year ago. So and th- that she has this brain injury where she has all of her memories up until that day, and then she's got this short term memory loss where basically she wakes up in the morning and it's her father's. It's the day of her father's birthday again. So she just keeps reliving this day over and over, and that her father has taken great pains to sort of protect her by um, making sure that everything happens the way it should. She, he, you know, he, he's got a... Uh, he's a got a sack of papers. Newspapers from, from that, that day. Because she grabs the paper. You know, everybody in the restaurant knows. Um, they do the same things. Her poor, you know, well, the, 
when when we meet her father and her brother, these poor guys have had to watch the same football game and the same uh, 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 movie over and over mm-hmm. for a year. Um, so yeah, so he explains that to her. So now he's thinking like, well, what have I gotten myself into? And once again, this is why where the movie. I know this is movie, but. So this has happened for a year. So that means that the brother and the father couldn't do anything. Well, they could. I mean, basically they could. It's like every day she wakes up. But apparently they haven't missed a day in a year. So they put their lives on hold. And they have to continue to put their lives on hold for the rest of their lives. Well, I think part of that is supposed to be because the father feels guilty because of the car accident. That's what I always assumed. It was that he felt guilty because the car... And it is, you know, it's an accident, but I have to say, it is sort of a funny accident. Like, Mm. they hit a cow. Mm. Like, that's, you know... They didn't, like, hit another car. Right. Nobody died, you know. Um, There, I think there are some, like, tonally appropriate things in this movie. I actually think that's a, a, a totally appropriate accident for this movie. It's yes. not too serious, but it's also not too uh, lighthearted. You know, it's not it's not funny that we don't see the cow again later or anything like that. You it's know? not an animated chipmunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not the clown from Billy Madison that you you know, hey kids, you thought I die. You know, it's <laughs> it's not that. Um, so now he's left with what do I do? Do I just move on, or do or is this girl worth? Whatever I'm about to get. Well, not so. But not only is this girl worth it, he has to convince everybody in her circle that he's worth it, that he's worth trying to pursue this. Yes, and then he's you know his his sounding board is basically Rob Schneider's character, which is supposed to be a a a native um, on the island who is constantly. It's it's never just him. He's constantly with Ula. His name's Ula, and he's constantly with like his six little kids. And Ula works at the Sea World Park. Also, he like cleans the pools. He and cleans stuff the like pools. That. And Adam Sandler also has this what assistant? Assistant. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Willie, that is. Um, it's just this very sort of butch female. They make a lot of jokes about her and, being a guy. Right. And that's one of the things about Adam Sandler movies is they like to make jokes about a person's sexuality and all that. It's he, he, His movies have a lot of mean jokes in them. Well, I realized, and again, watching this with a more like detailed eye as opposed to just passive, just sort of catching it on cable and watching it like I had done about a month ago, I realized some of the jokes are a little cringy. In 2020, in 2021. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely, yeah. Some of these jokes from 2004 are a little cringy in 2021. Like, I don't think they would have that kind of masculine female character and be the whole basis of the joke being like, this is a dude. No, is she a man? A is she a woman? Yeah. Right. So that's his sounding board. He's trying to remember what to do. And, but he also, ta- he also, his also his best friends are a walrus and a penguin. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the whole more cutesy thing to make him more adorable. Yeah. They yeah. go to a lot of lengths to make Adam Sandler adorable in this movie. Well, they have to match Drew Barry's Drew yeah. adorableness. Um, and they make it seem like, okay, she's worth it. She's this sunshiny, perfect girl, so she's it's worth it. So eventually... <coughs> He ends up... How does he end up at the house with the dad and the brother? I can't remember. Does he go with her or does he just show up on the doorstep? I think he just shows up saying that he wants to... See her. See her. Yeah, I don't even remember. I can't remember if they're spending time together or if he just shows up there. Yeah, I can't remember. 
And the father is not super thrilled about this. I do think this is sort of. Funny. I actually forgot that Sean Astin was in this movie. Well, I was just going to say, I will say this is I, Sean Astin's career. The last what fifteen years? What, it's so funny. Some of the stuff he does, like he popped up in Stranger Things. He, uh, I, I think this is just a character you would never have expected him <laughs> to play. This steroid, you know, <laughs> addicted, uh, uh, kind of lost, you know, nerdy, you know, brother that, uh, you know, he thinks he's a tough guy, but he's really not. Um, so it is Sean, it is sort of funny to have Sean Astin in that role just as kind of an unusual bit of casting. And then, uh, Blake Clark, who... Well, he's a regular. He's an Adam Sandler Yeah, regular. and he had been a stand-up way back yes, in the day. Yes, I remember seeing him do stand-up. I always get Blake Clark and Kip Adada. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I I had to actually go to IMDb and, and look it up, because I was like, who is that? But um, recognizable, you know, gruff character Very gruff. Actor. He took over the voice of Slinky Dog after Jim Varney died oh, in the Toy Story movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I did not know that. So, yeah, and again, the, the father basically reiterates, like, listen, we've got this sort of very fragile but perfect environment going for her every day. We don't need you messing it up. We don't need you being this outside source that messes up the perfect thing we have going, which really isn't that perfect. It's not perfect at all. Because, like you said, these poor, these poor guys are spending their whole day basically making sure that she has the same... Day and like the apple cart's not overturned right. because to the point, the day it's it's around Thanksgiving. It's implied. I believe also. yes, yes. Um, and uh, when when Drew Barrymore shows up back at the house, uh, her father already has a pineapple. They don't have to go get a pineapple. And she's God, disappointed, right? Because she was like, "Oh, I thought we were gonna go pick one." So he does invent like a little story of. Why they don't have to go do that again, uh, and potentially, I guess, maybe potentially get in a car accident again. But um, so he gives her another project to do, which is to paint his uh, garage, paint his workshop. He's a retired fisherman, mm-hmm. I think, is is what's implied. And so every day she paints his workshop, and every night the dad and the brother covered over with white paint. And every day, so for a year, they, and he takes a picture, because she, she's an art teacher. That was the whole thing. She'd been an art teacher. So she usually would go at breakfast and then go teach her art classes and stuff like that. So, yeah. So these guys are doing all these things to make sure she, every day, has this, not perfect day, but just the normal The normal day. day. The normal day. But now Adam Sandler's going to... Insert himself into this. Well, he does insert himself. So, and then there's a montage of him inserting himself, in, right. you know, having chance meetings with her. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to. Well, because they basically kick him out of the restaurant. He, yes, he, he tries this whole stunt at the restaurant where he just goes over the top and can't meet her, can't meet her, can't meet her. You know, she's turning him down. He tries all these big mm. things to the point of pretending like he can't read and. She has to, and she, of course, she plays along, and then later on admits she knew he was playing her. But then finally, they kick him out of the restaurant, and like you can't, you can't come in here. So he comes with other ways to meet her, just on the road and all these stunts. And every time they meet, and they he get, does get a chance to talk to her for a little bit, they do have this chemistry, so it kind of keeps him coming back. And uh, he thinks that maybe. Maybe he's got some answer, some trick. That well, he thinks that they should tell her the truth. Right. 
And they actually do that. It's well, some, so they have this plan. Basically, she gets a ticket. She gets a ticket for an expired uh, registration. Right now, she's arguing with the cop that her registration is fine because, in her mind, she has months right. until the registration has to be. Uh, and the cop who doesn't know her is like, uh, no, it's the, today's the day. And she's like, what? And she grabs somebody else's newspaper and sees that it's the current newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of the fake, you know, one of the mm-hmm. fake ones her dad gave her. So she's freaked out. And Sue calls her dad and says, you know, gives them the heads up. So the minute she pulls up, he basically, the dad says, we're having a bad day. So obviously they have a plan, a contingency for... These quote unquote bad days when something something is doesn't going go on with the yes. plan, and so yeah, so when that does happen, they do tell her what happened, mm-hmm. and he's got like a scrapbook that of things, and I think Adam Sandler's with her, like follows her back to the house or something, right? I'm right, confusing some of that, but you know, she's naturally upset, and she's she's confused and she's upset about the accident she's uh, she's upset that she didn't even realize it and then she touches her head and realizes like oh yeah wait i do feel something you know there and um she's also i guess i guess touched that her father and her brother would do this over and over for her but it's also confusing and um but then of course the next day she's not she's not going to remember any of it she's not going to which by the way apparently with these type of brain injuries, this idea of going to sleep and waking up and not remembering everything is not really a thing. Like, that's not... It's a movie... It's a movie thing. It's a movie device. It's a MacGuffin. It's a a convenient movie device, but it's not really a thing that happens to people with, like, short-term memory. Uh, There are... It's not like Alzheimer's or something like that. So Adam Sandler's digging deeper into it, and that's what finally brings us to Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd at the Callahan Brain Injury Institute. Right, Lucy, these are your brain scans here. I'm afraid they show no improvement. The temporal lobe was severely damaged in the accident. But what we believe is the scar tissue here is impairing your ability to convert short-term memory into long-term memory while you sleep. The condition has come to be known as Goldfield syndrome. Uh, who's Goldfield? A brilliant Lithuanian psychiatrist. Uh, he himself suffered temporal lobe damage. It took him four years to publish his findings because he had to keep starting over from scratch. <laughs> Obviously, your sense of humor is still intact, and that's that's here. Magnificent amygdala as well. Doctor, I have a question. Yes, Douglas, I'd be happy to answer it. But as I've told you several times, this is a hygienic facility, and shirts are required in the office. Okay. Nice move. Um, listen, doctor, this... A friend of mine's been experimenting a little with steroids, and uh, he's been having a lot of wet dreams. Could there be a connection between those two? Douglas, get off the juice. And as far as the nocturnal emissions, why don't you take a swim, buy a shirt with no holes in it, find a beautiful vahine, and take her to dinner? Tell my friend he said so. (laughs) In any case, Lucy, your condition is stable, but most likely permanent. I'm so sorry, dear. But it could be worse. Yeah, how? I think you should meet 10 Second Tom. Callahan Institute is the leading brain injury clinic in the Pacific Rim. We are funded out of Sandusky, Ohio, by TB Callahan, the automotive component. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you our most distinguished clinical subject, 
Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. Henry. Marlon. Doug. Lucy. Hi. Oh, those are cool flip-flops. Where'd you get them? You like those? It's an interesting story. I was over on the North Door the other day. And Hi, I'm I... Tom. Huh? Uh, Henry. Hi. Marlon. Tom lost part of his brain in a hunting accident. His memory only lasts 10 seconds. It was in an accident? That's terrible. Don't worry. You'll totally get over it in about three seconds. Get over it? I mean, what happened? Did I get shot in the brain? I... Hi, I'm Tom. And Callahan. Yes. Okay, do you know this? Because I was wondering if you knew. I, 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 don't, I know Callahan was the character. It's, it's a nod to Chris Farley. Yeah, it's a nod to Tommy Boy. So Tommy basically, Boy, yes. so it's a nice little nod to Tommy Boy. Right. And in fact, Dan Aykroyd's character, Doctor Ken, Doctor Doctor Ken, is that right? But Callahan was Tommy Boy's Tommy Tommy Callahan in, right. in, in, in Tommy Boy. Yes, and so he even makes a mention of being like they're funded. Their brain institute is funded by Callahan Industries. So that is supposed to be that. The Callahan, you know, tires or automotive parts. It's still it's is, still in the hands of Chris Farley, right? Is, yes. is funding this brain institute? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's that's so that's kind of a fun thing. A little, uh, I don't know if that what you call it an Easter egg, but if you're one of those people that pays attention to stuff like um, the name, you know, they pan long enough on the name of the institute mm-hmm. that you know somebody would would look at. Adam up. Sandler has given Chris Farley a nod in in quite a few of his films. So, Dr. Keats, Dr. Keats, that's the other, so Dr. Keats is that, so that's a thing, in, um, Adam Sandler did a movie, um, with, uh, Wayans, Damon Wayans? Bulletproof. Bulletproof. Damon Wayans' characters is Keats in that. So, that's where the Dr. Keats name comes from for this. So, another little connection. Always with the connection. Yes. And this is, at this point, we meet the short-term, short-term Tom. <laughs> ten-second Tom. Ten-second Tom. He loses his memory every ten seconds. So, Alan Covert, who's probably one of my favorite people in the Happy Madison corral, uh, you'll know him as Sammy the limo driver. Grandma's boy. Singer. He's in great, he's got, he is, gra- he is grandma's boy. Yeah, yeah. he's got the lead he's in got grandma's the lead in boy. That. He's the, he's the, um, Scruffy, uh, uh, caddy, and Happy Madison. Um, he's a writer. He's mm. a he's a writer. He works in production with Happy Madison. Uh, yeah, he's got a great little bit here. Ten Second Tom, who's who? Boy, if Drew Barrymore is Lucy, thinks she has problems. Ten Second Tom, mm. he only has ten seconds of mm. memory, so he can't remember anything <laughs> beyond ten seconds. Yeah, he keeps introducing himself. To right. Everybody. Hi, I'm Tom. He's got a name tag on, you know, Tom. Uh, so, Dan Aykroyd. So, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So, I was thinking that this is one of those perfect little Dan Aykroyd parts. It's a doctor, so he gets to use technical jargon. And which he is very, very good loves. at. Which he loves doing. He loves that. And um, he doesn't have to stand. I believe he sits through the whole thing. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> no, they walk because they uh, <laughs> that's how they meet 10 seconds yeah. on. They're walking. Um but no, he he kind of he uh, uh, is this sort of authoritative figure. You know, the brother, the uh, Sean Astin's character, the brother wants to ask these hypothetical questions about steroid use, and he's very frank with them, like "get off the juice," you know. So he's obviously familiar with the family, knows the family, doesn't see a lot of hope for her condition. He's very frank and honest about it. Adam Sandler's tagging along the whole time on this visit. 
to the Institute. But I think that Dan Aykroyd, I think that casting was just about perfect because you didn't want anybody in that role that was too serious. Like, you don't want, like, a really, truly, like, dramatic actor in this part. I agree. Because it still has to have this kind of lighthearted romantic comedy. Like when he's, you know, get off the juice, son. Right. You you want it to come off kind of. It needed to be somebody of that ilk, like Dan Aykroyd. And you don't want anybody too goofy either. Like, Mm -hmm. you you don't want anybody sarcastic or goofy. Like, Like, honestly, I don't think you would put... You wouldn't put Bill Murray here. Or Chevy Chase. You would, right. Exactly. You want you want somebody that's got this, like, believability of kind of the technical aspect of it. That The, the right when age. When he speaks, right you want to believe. Yeah, the right age is very appropriate. Yeah. Right. The right age, the, he sounds like a doctor. He, But he also picks up somehow that kind of Hawaiian laid-back mm-hmm. attitude. Uh, like I don't. Did you? I see, think that might just be him. <laughs> well, did you just see the Descendants with George Clooney? Uh, it was about two years ago. I Oscar did not. Movie. So there's this whole thing just kind of about the lifestyle in Hawaii, and uh, and, and there is sort of this just laid back kind of vibe. It is very much of a even a doctor or a hospital. Mm-hmm. You it wouldn't be surprising to see a guy in you know flip flops or something mm-hmm. like that. And so I think Dan Aykroyd, he just really, to me, for this little, for this little uh, uh, tone, you know, I think he's got the right kind of tone for it. I was trying to think of other actors his age, you know, whether you could put somebody like Rick Moranis in there who, who would also seem knowledgeable, but maybe a little goofy. Um, but you don't want to put like a Fred Willard in there. Or uh, somebody who who would lend it to almost, you know, you don't want to put a Eugene Levy in there. Somebody who would make it too goofy. Somebody who would be funnier than Adam Sandler, in a way. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So it's nice. So you get a little more technical jargon. You find out she has this condition that is a, uh, a made-up condition um, but, you know, he's sort of the nice doctor that talks with the family and, and gives Adam Sandler some ideas. But at this point, Adam Sandler is still optimistic that maybe something can be done, that all is not lost, and that, you know, it's possible that maybe there's a cure, even though um, even though Dan Ackward as Dr. Keats is like, nope. No, there's not. The oh, Goldfield syndrome is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Goldfield syndrome uh, is entirely fictional. So, uh, yeah, so it's not a real, it's not a real disease. But anyways, Adam Sandler's character is optimistic that through his love, uh, he could cure her. He could cure her, injury. and she'll remember. She'll she'll recognize him and remember him. Now, spoiler, it never does. At the end of the movie, she still... We'll get to the end of the movie, but... They don't go... I, I'll give them the movie credit. They don't go schmaltzy where one day she wakes up and it's like... You know, says his name, knows what's going on. Yeah, it's not like Groundhog's Day. It's not like Groundhog, yeah. Where, <laughs> where all of a sudden they wake up and, it, and it's... it's fit. Love has fixed it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Love... <laughs> love cannot over... Love does not trump medicine and science. 
Which is... It's just that they realize they don't have to, like, basically baby her and treat her with kid gloves. They can all go on with their lives. So, yeah, it's jumping way ahead to the end. Uh, uh, it turns out, but it also doesn't have, like, a super implausible ending. No, no, the ending is... In- or she doesn't have brain surgery. She doesn't yeah, have- yeah, there's not a last... I can't stand that John Travolta movie, um, Par- uh, uh, is it Paranormal? Phenomena. Phenomena. Can't stand that movie because the first half of it is this supposed to be like wondrous, kind of wondrous, dreamy. He's this character that's sort of this. Um, you don't really know what's going on with him, and he does these all these 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 thing, phenomenal thing, and then they ruin the movie by coming up with this hard scientific fact of why this is happening, and uh, can't stand that movie. So, yeah, the science doesn't get too much in the way, but Dan Aykroyd does add a nice bit of, um, I don't want to say realism, but just some technical sort of grounding of... Technical grounding, that's a great way of putting it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And we get to see him again later. We'll, we'll talk about that, yeah. I guess. He, he shows up again later. So now the movie goes to the part where they... The father goes along with Adam Sandler. Yeah, the father figures, I guess, what the heck, if this guy's going to be persistent and he doesn't seem to be out to hurt her, he does seem to be sincere. And so now Adam Sandler's going to try all these different things to get her to... to maybe get her memory to engage or... Yes. uh, You know, everything from... He, he puts a videotape together uh, thinking, like, maybe we just address it. Maybe every morning, instead of pretending it's the same day, maybe every morning we just let her know this is the deal. And it's a li- That's a lift from Clean Slate because every morning when Dana Carvey would wake up, he'd have a tape recorder and it would say, uh, no, play me. And it would say, you've got this brain damage, da-da-da, so you don't, this is what's going on. So he would record that every night before before he'd go to sleep. He would record what happened, so he knows. So that's where those movies differ. It's like he were, so he knows what's going on by his self. And once again, that's another movie where Dana Carvey falls back, hits his head, and he's boom, he's cured. So makes me think about Memento. A Memento, he had all those notes written all over yeah. him. <laughs> uh, but he, to me, this is. You have such a chance of having a bad day where she wakes up and she, you know, she looks at that tape. She could just freak out. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, this is what's happened to me? There's a very good chance. That's why this movie, I believe, is really, and like you said, the ending is almost, it is very implausible. Yeah, she. No, just, I don't think. It, no, I don't think it's implausible. I think they they oh, don't they don't do like a miracle cure or anything. No, they don't do it a miracle cure. But I also think that it's well. We'll talk. To the, we'll talk about the ending when we get there. So yeah, he tries all sorts of things. He tries, you know, uh, all these great romantic experiences. He tr- they try the trick of we're just going to stay up all night. We're mm-hmm. going to stay up all night and see what happens. What if we get past the twenty four hour mark, maybe mm-hmm. something. But of course, they both fall asleep. Right. And she's completely freaked out in the morning. When, when she, they wake up next to each other, they scream. Right, right. And he tries to explain, you know, that he's that they've been seeing her, which, of course, she doesn't remember anything. So, yeah, she thinks he's crazy. Every morning, he has to, he cannot be there when she wakes up, or she will automatically freak out. Right. 
And along the way, he commiserates with with uh, his with what did I say? Nola, 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 Noah, Noah, uh, Rob Schneider's character, character and, and with the walruses, and um, you know, uh, oh. At the Institute, that we forgot to mention that. At the Institute, so that's, I think it's Peter Dante, that's one of the Adam Sandler's buddies, shows up. He's playing a security guard who's, like, dumber than, you know, <laughs> he's he's got more brain issues than the, the people right. in, the, in the Institute. Oh, so somewhere along the way here is a scene that, I swear to God, when they broadcast this on TV, this scene is not in the movie. They, right. they go to a beach, like a beach campfire, and uh, Maya Rudolph is in it as her pregnant friend and there's a couple of other friends so th- so the idea is we've addressed this in the morning he, she's seen that she knows what the condition is so we're not going to have to relive this same day so they go do other things so he takes her to like a beach party with her friends that she hasn't seen in a year I can't believe you're pregnant I and I got her on the first try yeah easy and Tammy you are so thin thanks Luz And I'm so glad that you finally got that gender reassignment surgery, Jennifer. I mean, Jonathan. Mahalo. (laughs) There you go, Lucy. Thank you. So you must be Lucy's friend, the one who made the tape. I think he's more than my friend. You're my boyfriend, right? Yes, ma'am. So every day you help her to realize what happened and you wait patiently for her to be okay with it? Then you get her to fall in love with you again? Yes, ma'am. Asshole. You don't even open the frickin' car door for me anymore. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> I gotta go take him. And so she's surprised to see Maya Rudolph. This has got to be one of Maya Rudolph's first movies because she's only in this little scene. Yeah. And her, her friend is pregnant. Her other girlfriends are there. One of her friends, she's like, oh, you've lost weight. Mm-hmm. And then another one of Adam Sandler's buddies who pop up in his mm-hmm. movies all the time is... Apparently has had a, a gender reassignment uh, mm-hmm. surgery and has gone from a woman to be this gruff, tough uh, guy. So he's in it. But I swear, when I watched this, the in preparation for this, I do not remember that scene. In well, this movie pro- if it had at all, it probably has to do with the you know, the gender reassignment. Well, yeah. it's also not a necessary scene. It's like, not a necessary. You, scene. you literally can jump to where they were to the next scene in this like perfect day that he's having for her, and and you're fine. See, to me, this is just a scene they put in to make another mean joke about somebody, you know, having a sex operation. Well, her friends are like, "Oh, you must be, you know, Lucy's boyfriend," and and so. Uh, but it's not, you know, when they say this film has been edited for time when they show it on TV, that's mm. got to be one of those that's scenes that's got to be one of them, yeah. Because I honestly do not remember Maya Rudolph being in this movie <laughs> at all. Um, so, yeah, they go along and things are just kind of the way it is. And But he realizes things aren't really... Progressing. Improving. Anymore. I mean, they're not... Yeah. It, I mean, I, not improving or progressing. I mean, but what, what can you do in a day? And honestly, what... what What's what about his job? You know, yeah. we what about his job? He's got to work. You've got to work. You know, it's like, how convenient it must be to be able to just take off all this. He's time. not independently wealthy. He works at the. He, he works li- at the zoo. He lives. He lives like under the dolphin tank. He's got yeah. a bed and a couch in there. So they hook up. They they have sex and and they have this perfect day. And he ends up he there he proposes to her. I feel weird about that having even though it's like. It would just—I don't know. It would just be weird if I knew that she wouldn't remember that. I mean, I 
I've had sex with women and they don't remember. <laughs> it, but it was just it to me that just seems. Ugh. He knows that the next morning she's going to have no recollection of him having sex with her. Well, and he even proposes to her. You know, when they're trying to stay up all night, he proposes to her, and of course, she doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what brings Dan Aykroyd around the second time because she's having a freak out. Yeah. And so Dan Aykroyd, Doctor Keats, makes a house call and checks her out. Mm-hmm. And um, the dad's not super thrilled. Uh, you know, again, he basically implies, listen. I, I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but it's not, it's not going to change anything. This is the way it is. You know, tell, he's pretty frank with them. Tells them that's the way it is. But this conversation, while the guys, the dad, the doctor, Adam Sandler, the brother, all in the living room, she's kind of eavesdropping on this conversation mm-hmm. and realizing that she's stopping. She's Adam, screwing up everybody's life. Yeah, she's stopping Adam Sandler from taking this year-long sailing trip to Alaska She's realizing she's holding her dad and her brother back from from their life. So she decides to cut things off with Adam Sandler. And he's not happy about it. But it doesn't matter. The next day she's not going to remember that she cut him off. But she says, I want to erase all indications. So here's where I got confused about this. She comes to Adam Sandler and says, I need to just completely erase you from my life. And... She shows him a journal that she says she writes in every night. But if she writes in this journal every night, if she goes back and reads that, doesn't she, wouldn't that be an indication of what has been happening? It would be. Because she's not writing the same. She's got this big journal with all these pictures and it's got like stuff, mementos from their dates and things like that. Well, this would, I guess she would do that at the end of the day. So, at, if at the beginning of the day, if they tell her what's going on, it's not going to freak her out at the end of the day. I guess. I was trying to figure out that because I was like, well, is just a, this just her journal? Because pre-Adam Sandler, if she was keeping a journal like that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think she was keeping a journal. Pre, I think she started keeping a journal. Oh, well, this is, okay. they started telling me what's going on. I want to keep a oh, journal. Oh, okay. Because I was like. Because if she was keeping a journal beforehand, it doesn't make it any doesn't sense. It doesn't make any sense because she would have been writing about the same day over and over and right. you'd open this book and it'd be the same day over and over. Okay, that makes more sense because I was like, what? So she basically convinces him to help her rewrite the journal and eliminate him, completely erase him from her life. It's painful for both of them. They don't want to do it. Uh, Why does he need to rewrite the journal? Why can't he just get rid of the journal? Uh, because she has, there must be other stuff in the journal I guess she so. wants to remember. Okay. So she wants it rewritten where he's not in there and then they like burn the pages and stuff that uh, you know, had to have to do with him, and she says goodbye, and tearfully mm. says goodbye in the rain, and <laughs> kisses him. And, you know, sidebar: I have a lot of customers in Hawaii. Well, not a lot. I have a few customers in Hawaii. You'd be surprised. First of all, the crime is terrible in Hawaii. <laughs> That's what every single one of my customers that I have tells me is that the crime in Hawaii <laughs> is terrible. And um, and also, it's expensive as heck to live there. That's probably why crime is high. And um, and the salt water just eats away. Like if you have any metal, like oh paint, yeah, rust. Yeah, yeah. They, they always ask me about like uh, uh, for listeners. I when I'm not performing, <laughs> uh, I I sell blinds uh, with a, with a with a 
company and uh, a big company that's a Home Depot company, and they always ask about metal chains or metal because they said that the salt water just eats away at everything. So even though Hawaii looks like this like beautiful paradise, it sounds like you really have to be prepared to live there. That it's not always fantabulous. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so they split apart. He decides reluctantly to go on his trip. They. I guess we're getting close to the end of the movie. We are getting close to the end of the movie, yeah. Are we going too fast? No, no. We're, we're, we're almost at an hour, which is almost, which is perfect. Good. Hopefully people are still listening. Hopefully. Hopefully all the talk about your customers in Hawaii yeah. buying blinds. People aren't turning everything off I'm right sorry, now. I'm sorry. I'm not a laugh a minute. <laughs> um, so, the uh, yeah, so she takes off and... Um, the, the father and the brother come to see him off. Oh, that's the other thing. There's rampant product placement for spam in this movie. Which is another Adam Sandler. All of his movies have rampant product placement. That's Popeye's how chicken. Popeye's chicken. <laughs> he, that's what he's known for. He's known for filming his vacations and product placement. Well, spam makes sense because spam is like the national meat of Hawaii. I'm sure they went to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, they went to Hawaii. Yeah. I'm sure they went to spam. It's like, we're going to be doing this in Hawaii. I was actually curious for Dan Aykroyd because I thought, I thought poor Dan Dan Aykroyd, he probably shot both those scenes in Los Angeles. I'm sure he did. Both those scenes were shot in a studio. I was trying to look through the window of the hospital. I was like, I bet both of those are in Yeah, yeah. They're not flying him out for a day, you you know, know, for two days. Right. I think there was definitely a lot of location stuff in Hawaii, but in the credits, there are some references to things being shot in L.A. Oh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of stuff. In fact, even the SeaWorld kind of park, it's not SeaWorld, but like that type of a park, they do film at a park in Hawaii, and they do film at a place in California. So, for both. I'm sure they had to do pickup shots and stuff like that, and they're not going to fly all the way back to Hawaii to do yeah, that. Yeah, and like all these interior shots and stuff like that, there's no reason why that all has to be There's no reason, yeah, that would just... All those, all those I'm sure somebody put their foot down. It's like, no, we're not flying Dan Aykroyd right. to Hawaii for one day. All the, all the brain patients and stuff, that's got to be... That's got to be LA extras, yeah. Um, so yeah, they see him off, they bring him a big case of Spam and peanut butter cups, because that's a, that's a joke in the beginning yeah. about the peanut butter cups, and, um, but yeah, Spam, a big truck drives by at one point with Spam written on it, they, Spam and eggs are the specialty mm-hmm. at the, at the cafe, and, you know, but, I mean, but that is pretty true to Hawaii, though, it's not like it's random weird that Spam It's not there. random weird, but it is... It is clever and sleazy at the same time on saying. Adam Sandler's part. It's like we're shooting in Hawaii. Hawaii's known, you know, for spam. Why don't we get spam to foot the bill for some of this movie? I guess it makes sense because I was thinking, like, okay, so Popeye's chicken for little Nikki, and then there's the what is it? Is it the Jello? Put, what is the pudding it's, for Punch Drunk Love? Right? It's it's the, a pudding, and it, it's you know, and Dunkin' Donuts. Which what movie is Dunkin' Donuts? Jack and Jill? Oh, oh, oh. That's the whole thing. That's right. Al Pacino <laughs> shooting a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. Wow. Al Pacino. It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Well, that's one that I saw. Like I admitted, I saw it in the movies. I don't Little Nicky had one too. I remember it's, seeing it's that. Popeyes. It's Popeyes. Popeyes. Yeah, it's Popeyes chicken. It's yeah. awesome. As a businessman, it's smart. As a performer, it's kind of sleazy. And so he's brought them together. But it's true. 
I was trying to think of other like I, you know all movies do it all they all just do it a little do more it. subliminal they do it subliminal and they don't yes and but Adam Sandler just does it on a level by where, the way I saw Columbo Subway in uh, Golf Guy oh yeah Happy Madison Happy not yeah. Happy Madison yeah. Happy Gilmore Happy Gilmore Happy Gilmore yeah the, it's like he actually shoots a Subway commercial yep. in the movie yep. so yeah. Uh, there was a Columbo recently with Robert Culp as supposedly playing subliminal that that invented this Inven- idea of the subliminal, you know, product placement, the subliminal, subliminal cut, idea, yes. subliminal cut. Yes, and I, it reminds me of that done in by his own technology. Yes. So we think Adam Sandler is going to sail off to around the world. Around or- the world, <laughs> the, the the dad gives him a, a Beach Boys CD, which he's like. He's he sort of sarcastically is like great. He gave me a CD with songs that remind me of his daughter. Jerk, you know. <laughs> and of course, there's the the sort of uh, penultimate Adam Sandler scene of him fake crying, you know, with his he's all overworked and crying as he's listening to the songs. And he decides he has to turn the boat around. He can't go to Alaska. He's got to turn the boat around and go see her, right? <laughs> So he goes to he goes to find her and finds out she's living at the institute now. At the Which is institute. where she should have been from the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Where I yes, it's you. But she's but no, but she's not like injured. She's like, not injured, but this it's like for her own protection. For her own protection and for the sanity. It's not oh, just for her parent. For well, her it's her not just you know. It, yes, they are good people for doing this, but they're just hurting them. Eventually, this is going to wear not on them, but on everybody. Well, right, 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 right. Because in the in, that's why they should not. Well, right, because her poor brother. I said earlier they have to watch the same football game over and over, mm-hmm. and then she gives her dad the gift of um, uh, the Sixth Sense, which I did think that was pretty funny. Like of all the movies that you don't yeah, want to watch over twist. and over <laughs> and over, there's certain movies like uh, you know, like the like the Sixth Sense that have that kind of an ending like that, or um, oh, what's the one with Kevin Spacey and uh, um, oh, with the criminals. It's Kaiser usual, Soze. Usual, usual yeah, suspects. that's not one of the ones you want to watch like over and over and yeah. over, right? And so it is sort of funny that she's like, every time she watches it, she's like, <gasps> you know, and they're like, oh my God, if I have to watch this movie one more time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so now she's living at the Institute. He says she's happy. She's teaching art classes. And so, of course, he runs to the, I don't know if he drives or runs or whatever, to the the, the Callahan Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fakes out the stupid security guard again, <laughs> gets past him. And sees her, and of course she has no, no idea, idea who he is. is. Except this time, there is this little inkling of "I don't know you, but come with me." Mm-hmm. And so he follows her, and she takes him into her private studio. And when you open the door, there's all these paintings and drawings and pastels and sketches, and they're all Adam Sandler. They're all. From her subconscious, or whatever. She says, I've been drawing these, and I have no idea why. I had no idea why, and now you've appeared here all of a sudden. So basically, it's implied that he did somehow bore a hole into her brain, and at least implanted something there that she... Oh, he implanted something. Well, that's the very (laughs) So, we realize that we are going to have a happy ending. He's Mm -hmm. not sailing off to Alaska. 
Well, he is, but yes. not alone. Right. right. So it is kind of a little crafty ending. You think they've got enough. You th- you think okay, they've gotten together, and you think it's the next day. The next, yeah. You think, it's or the next, you know, next couple of weeks. Yeah, right. it's only been right. a couple of days or a couple of weeks. He's she. So as they've used frequently, also it's a sign of the times. They've got all these VCR tapes yeah. <laughs> throughout this movie. I had to go back and look to be like, was this in the two thousands? It was. It was like. 2004. Yeah, it's. But I was thinking, like, was this in the 90s? Because there's these VCR tapes. Like, it's not even a, it's not even a DVD or a CD-ROM. Yeah. It's uh, these VCR tapes. And she wakes up, and there's "Good Morning," play, you know, "Play Me," Lucy, "Play Me." So she puts it in, and he's like, "But what would it would? It's like, couldn't she just as easily not play it? You know, it's like, why would this? This seems weird. I mean, you probably would, but there's always a chance that she wouldn't." Well, I think it's easier, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's easier to believe to, like, watch it and kind of see it by yourself and let it sink in as opposed to you wake up in the morning and you're like, where am I? Who, are, who is this? Who's this person? Oh, no, like I said, he, he could never wake up with her. Right. Because if he did, she would wake up screaming. Right. Like she did earlier oh, in the film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I never even realized that that's probably why he wakes already up. Yeah. Well, so it, you think it's kind of the same tape of, like, here's what happened to you, and they kind of get through that part really fast. Mm-hmm. So he goes, so when you're ready, come up and have breakfast. Well, what we don't realize is she comes up to have breakfast, and they're on the deck of his boat, sailing through Alaska, mm-hmm. and it's not just him and her, it's their daughter, and dad's there, yeah. so now they've all, they're all living happily on the boat. Yes. And she's grateful and happy because earlier in the movie she says, how could we ever get married? How could we ever have kids? Every morning I'll wake up pregnant and have no idea why or who or, you know, but obviously but they... That, but, okay, so let's go back to that. It was like, I, I get, you you wake up and you're four, you're six months pregnant. That That's going to freak you out. Maybe to the point where you can't watch that tape. Because I'm assuming... That she still wakes up thinking it's that day of her dad's birthday. It's got, yeah. Right? That's what I'm thinking. Right. So she wakes up in the morning, I'm going to go to the pineapple with my dad. Oh, I'm, pre- I, I'm pregnant. It's right. Like, what happened to me? Right. Am I the Virgin Mary? Unless there's supposed to be something that we've sort of Unless etched away a little bit Maybe more that's what they're hinting at, too, you know, with the Adam Sandler painting. Maybe he's slowly... Chipping away, so she might have a much to the consternation of Dan Aykroyd as yes. Dr. Keats. So yeah, this is. I feel like uh, the movies I do with you are these movies where Dan Aykroyd has some little teeny part, like in like when we did Chaplin and and uh, well, she's having a baby, which he's not even in until the yeah, credits. Until the credits. Yes, but this is good. I I I like seeing Dan Aykroyd. You know, Dan Aykroyd really has two kind of. Uh, uh, Roles are he likes these kind of technical, sciencey mm-hmm. roles, or it's the it's the Rome, uh, 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 like in the Great Outdoors, uh, and in, oh, and in Roman, it's like Roman in the Great Outdoors, or it's uh, it's in Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. He's the you know the competitive, the competing, mm-hmm. uh, 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 yes, auto parts sort of guy, a, yeah, sort of a loudmouth know-it-all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I do like seeing him in those mm-hmm. roles. And but that's it. So they sail off into the sunset happily ever after. Happily ever after, I'm guessing. Until they do blended, where they blend their two families together <laughs> on a fabulous. I think it's like a. 
It's like an African safari. It's, it's, I'm sure it's somewhere not in the United it looks, States. It looks like Disney. <laughs> it's like Disney. I know. Uh, I know that uh, it's it's another one of those ones where yeah, he, he's basically taking a vacation. Uh, well, you know what? You know where I haven't been? Africa. Write me a movie in Africa. <laughs> right. You don't even need to do that. You can just take an existing movie and just you know cross out Idaho and put in Africa. <laughs> Yes, it's basically that it's, and it's, they jokingly say it's their 10 years. It's like their every 10 years movie because that movie was, you know, so the movie we just talked about, uh, um, that movie was 2004 and then Blended is 2014. 14. The Wedding Singer was 1998, so that mm-hmm. math doesn't quite work well. But uh, Drew Barrymore has her own talk show now. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen I've it. seen She's very charming and. Her likable self and how did uh, she get hooked up with Tom Green? I I you know oh <laughs> doing Charlie's Angels I know that no I, I don't I mean uh, I know how but oh. how oh right because <laughs> he's quirky and weird and he probably isn't as weird in person mm-hmm. right he's probably a somewhat nice <laughs> quiet guy and she's quirky and weird and and offbeat not weird but mm-hmm. offbeat. Um, but yeah they actually did a cute little. Uh, uh, Kind of a reboot of uh, Fifty First Dates, where it was supposed to be a video, mm-hmm. and that they replay kind of the scene of her waking up and watch this, and now it's Adam Sandler, but it's like ten years later, and he says we have a daughter, she's forty, you know, mm-hmm. and it's real cute. But it was basically a, a fun thing to do on her show, mm-hmm. and he came on the show and was just wishing her luck with her show. But mm-hmm. they did, they did. It's really cute. You can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just look up Fifty First Dates reboot, and it's just a little three-minute video from her talk show. But it's really nice, and it's nice to see that Adam Sandler genuinely is, like, a friend of hers. Adam, Um, from what I've heard, aside, I know I trash him and his movies, but from what I've heard in real life, he's a nice guy. Loyal to his friends. Loyal to his friends, loyal to his family. Doesn't let, he's been, which is a totally opposite of Kevin James. I've heard that Kevin James is nothing but an asshole. You know, to, to, especially his fans. From what I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things about a person that uh, of Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, and uh, yeah. So Which sort of sucks because Adam Sandler sort of helped Kevin James along the way. You know, I, it's Kevin. This sounds terrible. Chris Farley dying was the best thing to happen to Kevin James because I think Chris Farley would have gotten all those roles. If he was still alive. Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's funny with Drew Barrymore, too, because, like, um, uh, Steven Spielberg also is, like, a father figure to her. Mm-hmm. He, he's been on her show. I think we need to also state that there was a point where she was fucked up. In her life, with drugs, but and like all that. she was a teenager. But she was a te- I mean, and this happened really, really young. It right. Was, She'd been working since she was four years old. Yeah. Et. Yeah. So the fact that she got hooked on drugs at such a young age, and then was able to kick it and make a comeback. Right. Because she's basically a little younger than me. I think she's like fifty, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a mom. She's you know, yeah. She seems to have her head on. Yeah. She's got some product endorsements. She's got this talk show. Um, she doesn't really have to do any movies. I'm sure she doesn't, but... I mean, I, liked, before, I liked her Charlie's Angels. I thought her Charlie's Angels was really fun. <laughs> so, the... Uh, uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, I mean, I, the worst thing I've ever seen in my life 
was the last 20 minutes of Charlie's Angels 2. The one with it was, with Bernie Mac taking over. It was just like, ugh. Oh, we're yeah. taking over for, for Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Right, right, right. But anyway, we're getting off track. It's So that was yes. 51st Dates. Now, as yes. I mentioned before, I don't remember... <clears throat> I remember being a lot funnier seeing it in a the movie theater, looking at it with more critical eye, just looking at it just from a practical point of view. It's like, this probably wouldn't have happened, but... I mean, this is a movie, I if it was on in the background, okay, but I would not go out and search for this movie. I would not generally say, do, would you want to watch Fifty First Dates? What if about you? If you like rom-coms, if you're a Drew Barrymore, Kate Hudson, uh, <laughs> you know, Reese Witherspoon uh, rom-com fan, then this fits right in the genre. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's like I say, the jokes from 2004 in, two, in 2021 are a little cringy at times, but it's mostly the jokes that are made at the expense of like people's sexuality. Sexuality. Uh, questioning their sexuality. Yeah, it's not any... It's, and also Rob Schneider does his... And I guess... Ethnic, right, ethnic character. Right, right. I guess, which I think he no longer does. I think... Right. I, I think I read that somewhere where he... If he's going to do a cameo, he's going to be a white guy. <laughs> I was thinking... I was thinking, you know, poor Chris Kattan. He could have done with uh, some people throwing him some uh, roles, kind of like Rob Schneider. He needed... But I know Chris Kattan got injured and had an accident. And yeah, he too. hurt his back or something. But like he, that. you know, he, he could have done with having some... Somebody kind of bringing him into too the bad, like that. Too bad Will Ferrell didn't start a... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. A production company. Exactly. See, that's a prime example, by the way, of what I was talking about earlier. Like, you couldn't put Will Ferrell in that part as the doctor. You know who you could have put in? Harold Ramis. Well, yes. I thought about that. Yes. You, you could have put, but not Will Ferrell. Right. Because even if he, even if he wasn't funny and over the top, everybody's like, oh. Here it comes. Here it comes. He's going to be funny and over the top. And then they're going to be like, he, was, he wasn't funny and over the top. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I like it. It's cute. It's not, It's uh, to me, it's not as good as The Wedding Singer. No, no. Wedding, wedding Singer is better, much better movie. I think, if you like Drew Barrymore, I think... Plus, we grew up in the 80s, so it's yeah. a lot of nostalgia yeah. for us. But, uh, you know, if you've never seen it, it's worth a watch. If you want to add to your Dan Aykroyd uh, uh, movies, and this is this is on the outer This is the outer, the outer image of the Dan Aykroyd. Like we said, this is an and Dan Aykroyd movie. Yes. Yes, but I always appreciate uh, the opportunity to discuss these with you. I always have a good time, and that is it. So do you want to... Yeah, you know, one of the things that I want to mention is for our Houston folks, uh, our Houston listeners, is that we're back doing live shows at Comedy Sports, where Scott and I both perform frequently, and so that's really exciting since post-pandemic. We we are back as of uh, July of... 2021 doing yep. live shows downtown in Houston, so you can go to cszhouston.com and find out when we're performing. Right, yes. I don't know when this episode's going to be coming out, but at the time of the recording, we've been open for about a month, a little over a month, and the shows have been going fantastic. Yes, and I'm excited for when you're going to ask me to do the Dan Aykroyd uh, Crystal Head Vodka episode, when we're going to do that. When you're going <laughs> to... When you're not driving? <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, we can do... Exactly, exactly. Well, we, know, we must know some bartenders that can make some drinks for us. Probably. All right, well, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank my special guest, get my special guest, my special guest, Steph DeWagoner, and we'll see everybody here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. 
And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Hi, Lucy. Good morning. It's me, Henry. We are on, I think, about our 5,000th date together. It's been great. I want to catch you up. You have a thing called amnesia, and I am your husband. We have a, a daughter, and she's about 40 now or something like that. What? I know, it's bananas, uh, but I'm not done yet. It's 2020, and we're also in the middle of a pandemic, which is a terrible thing. Baseball games are now being played in front of cardboard people. Sounds kind of like you're making this up. Oh, yes. If the room you're in right now smells uh, a bit like farts, uh, that was that was you. It does kind of smell like farts in here. Are you sure that wasn't you? Oh, it doesn't matter. Either way, there is good stuff going on in the world, though. There's a company called Netflix that provides premium entertainment to people right in the comfort of their own home. Uh, they also pay me, so that's why we can have that house together. So to recap, 2020 is is not great. Uh, Netflix is, is good. Uh, and you fart uh, a lot in your sleep. <laughs> True. In all seriousness, though, I want to just tell you this. I can honestly be more excited for you. You uh, have your own show now. Hi, I'm Tom. Lucy's got her own show now? Tom! Yes, yes, 10 Second Tom. That's right. That's great. Who's Lucy? And why is everyone outside wearing a mask? Okay, Tom, that's enough. You gotta go now. Okay. Cross the streams. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.